everybody. Welcome into another edition of Head Coach U. I am Brian Fisher, joined, as always, by former BYU and Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall. And, and the line of guests continue, Bronco. we, we got the reigning Mountain West champion, Jeff Tedford of, of Fresno State. Jeff, thank you so much for stopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting. We, we've had some coaches on before that, that have been coaching, you know, at a, at a place they know well, like you, like you, you do there with the Bulldogs. Does, do any of your players know how just how good a player you were back in the day? <laughs> well, th- yeah, I think with uh, social media these days, they're able to find some of that. I Not like I'm throwing the film on, you know, for them, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they look it up and they give me, you know, they give me a hard time. And a couple of things they show here from time to time, just to, you know, for alumni who have done things here and, you know, had – had a good experience here as a player, you know, and then coached here as an assistant for six years before I went to Oregon and then went to be the head coach at Cal, you know. So um, I've had a really great opportunity to know people or have people on my staff that know people uh, from our program from really 1977 through now, you know. So uh, it's great when the when people come back to be able to interact with them. You know, some of my teammates this last year, um, we had the 40th uh, reunion for our championship team that I played on in 1982. So I didn't get a chance to spend much time with them, obviously, because I was on the field. But going down the ramp and just seeing them and, and give them a high five on the way to the field was awesome, you know. And and uh, alumni is big here, you know, and uh, we take a lot of pride and and tradition and what's going on here. You know, there, there's a really cool adage, and in, in warrior cultures, they have this saying that when you forget your stories, you lose your culture. And I think what you said is really is really profound. Having former or having coaches on your staff or others around you that have played or or, or were at Fresno State, right? Those stories have a better chance to be passed on, right? When you have staff members that that were at Fresno, was that something that you targeted specifically, like when you were? assembling your staff and and obviously you're going back to a place that you were how important do you think that is and was that intentional and how you did that yeah it was and uh, just got really fortunate because a lot of us had worked together a long time ago and then everybody kind of spread out and did their own things you know went went to the nfl went to big time programs sc michigan lsu i mean all over the place right so having those guys come back bringing a wealth of information mm-hmm you know, has really helped me kind of lean on them of how they've done things. But what you're talking about, Bronco, is they do understand the traditions here. Mm-hmm. You know, they played for Coach Sweeney. They they coach for Coach Sweeney. And so Coach Sweeney's like the dog father here, right? I mean, he, he really put this place on the map. And so we have such a great deal of respect. And I think it's our obligation to pass that along, you know, and everybody who's run down that ramp and and more bulldog uniform, you know, that's what we're doing this for. You know, a lot of people take pride in what we're doing. And uh, all these stories that all these coaches have and experiences, be it here, which people were here for a long time under Coach Hill, some under Coach Sweeney. And uh, so there's a lot of trust that goes into what's going on and, and they really have a passion to be here. You know, it's uh, it means a lot to them to be here, the staff, you know, and so it's a great working relationship. And then we get to banner back and forth and laugh and joke about some of the some of the times that we had back when. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden you turn around and shoot. It's, you know, it's 30 years ago. You know, Mm -hmm. it's wow. Where did the time go? 
you know, but it's really cool to, to gain information from all these guys who was everywhere, but they still understand the traditions here. And so it's, it's awesome to come to work every day. Yeah. I think they not only understand it, but they value it. Right. So Fresno has a special place in their, in their heart because of their past and how it helped them become. And so they probably carry themselves like they're fortunate to be there, which has to be a positive effect on your players as well uh, to know yeah. what kind of special place it is. You know, you're, you're exactly right, Bronco, because they do. They they have a great feeling about the place, you know, and they do value it. And I think we all feel fortunate to be together, you know, and we can trust each other. And um, like I said, we tell stories. We have we have background to draw from of, hey, you remember this game, you know, the SC game back in 92 or, you know, whatever it is, all the different games that we can draw on those experiences and say, hey, this this thing coming up is kind of like that, you know, yeah. way back when. You remember that? And, you know, so – and then, of course, being around Coach Sweeney and Coach Hill, um, those guys are, are legends here, right? And so um, Coach Hill still comes around all the time, so it's great to see him. Um, but, you know, we always talk about all the things that Sweeney taught us, right? It was he – was, he was an awesome coach, but he was a grinder, right? Yeah. And football's changed over time. You know, you, you can't approach the game or kids or things like that the way we were approached back then. And, uh, you know, but the values and the things that he taught uh, on a daily basis about hard work and dedication and, you know, toughness, that's kind of what our program's built on. And so that hasn't gone away. So the traditions that were built with Coach Sweeney are still here. Uh, because there's a lot of his disciples that are here. Mm-hmm. And because Pat Hill kind of took that too, because Pat Hill coached under Coach Sweeney, so he understood those things too. So it's a pretty unique situation here that uh, a lot of our guys, our coaching staff, really understand and value, like you said, yeah. uh, the opportunity to be here and to be around these kids and to pass on their traditions. And it means something to them. It's not, they're just not hearing it and trying to, pass on the message they live the message and so to your point i think it's there's a lot of value in that you know one of the things that uh, i think really establishes great programs and helps traditions um continue once they've been facilitated and started just a quick story um i came out of junior college went to oregon state the first college game i played at oregon state was at fresno state coach sweeney was the coach mm-hmm. and I was playing safety, and I remember getting out-jumped by a 5'8 guy named Stefan Baker, the touchdown maker. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it was – I remember the Fresno State environment even then. My, my point is, is I think Fresno has done a really nice job of matching of that community um, with a style of leader and a style of play uh, that really uh, works and meshes well together. So Coach Sweeney, I think, man, it felt like he was a perfect fit in Fresno uh, at that time. Coach Hill felt like a perfect fit in Fresno, Pat, at that time. And I think, uh, and and you're the next, right, of every bit as strong, if not stronger, of a fit at the right time for that place. And I, I like the specificity of the connections, the um, but also the history that keeps being perpetuated. And I think that's had a lot to do with Fresno's continued success. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. You know, this is a blue-collar town. 
you know, and our team really reflects blue collar work. You know, our Mm -hmm. kids love to work, you know, it's hot here, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they take a lot of pride in what goes on, but we set an attendance record last year here. And so that was awesome. And so I'm so appreciative for the support uh, Mm -hmm. that people show up every week and, and uh, they have a lot of energy. You know, you go down that ramp, a lot of people don't like to play here. You know, it's not <laughs> yeah. the easiest place to play, you know, because the fans are pretty hard on you. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it is. It, it's great because how our team goes, you know, what I have figured out in the last few years is kind of kind of the attitude of and the energy level of the town. You know, oh, it's, uh, you know, if we have a great year, you could just feel the energy uh, around the town, you know, and, and they all they all live it, you know, and, and they don't forget it. You know, there's a lot. Of, and that's the thing. I played 40 years ago. I played 1982. <laughs> but there's still so many people here that, you know, we beat. We were down 28-7 in the California Bowl against Bowling Green and came back to win. And I swear when I was on the field, the stadium felt empty. But I can't tell you, I go to Costco or wherever in town, and everybody says they stayed to the end. It's like, oh, yeah, sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but – uh but no, it is. It's a blue collar town and it, it fits the way we like to work and the way we like to play, or at least that we strive to play. Yeah. And uh, so it's a great match. I, I love the idea uh, in leadership and program design of differentiation. And so I, I, what I like about and appreciate Fresno and the style of play, I think so many um, institutions just hire the coach and try to have his style fit that community in that place. And yeah, it might be successful, but it doesn't seem to go quite deep enough as a coach that really has roots at the place, tries to match the style of play to the type of people that are there and have kind of a deeper connection. And I think there's something special when that happens. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, you know, and and we've been very fortunate in that, in that way uh, to have head coaches here. And Coach DeRuder did a nice job here too yeah. in, in his stint here. You know, he wasn't a Fresno guy, but he did a nice job for a couple of years here, you know, when Derek Carr and those guys were here in Devante. And, uh, you know, just really fortunate the first time to be able to come back here and take it over. Um, It was a one-win team at the time, and we flipped it to 10 wins the first year and 12 wins the next year. And, and, uh, you know, so um, taking over a program, you know, it's good to have familiarity, right, with with what the town's about. I think it would be, you know, maybe a little bit more difficult for an outsider to come in and understand exactly – you know, what, what the attitude is here and um, the, the style of play and, you know, and to be able to relate to the fans about old history, you know, and, and to be able to talk to people on the street and in the restaurants and, you know, around town about that, you know, they, there's a lot of people who, who have been here a long time that are Bulldog fans. Right. And so it's great to reminisce with them and they take a lot of pride in the things that, that we've done you know, over time. And, um, and that's the thing going all the way back to 77, I got here in 81, but I knew a lot of the guys on the 77 team who won the champ, who won a championship, the first championship. And then 82, we won the championship. And so to, to go all the way back to those people, a lot of those guys are still in town. And so I can lean on a lot of those guys too, you know, and the support there for fundraising, for things that we need, whatever, you know, um, you kind of know who to, who to go to. And, um, you know, there's just, there's great support here. And, 
Um, and now to have the staff back, like we talked about earlier, makes it even more special because um, they have a group of people that they've been in contact with. Because when I left to go play in the CFL, I was gone for six years and then came back as an assistant. Um, and then I left to go to Oregon to be the offensive coordinator. And then I went to Cal for 11 years. But all during that time was when Pat was here. Right. And so um, we have a couple people, probably four coaches on our staff right now that coached under Pat, Mm -hmm. Sweeney and Pat, Mm -hmm. you know, so they know they know even when I was gone doing other things, they were here. So to have a connection to all the alumni for that many years, you know, is is pretty cool because don't look now. But all of a sudden we're recruiting their their kids. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, how many how many kids of the guys that we coach are coming through now? So there's a there's a high trust level there, yeah. you know, because I feel like we've done things the right way. And I think the people who left here appreciate that. You know how it is, Bronco, with with kids at the time when you're coaching them, sometimes you're their father figure, you're the disciplinarian. And sometimes they don't appreciate it at the time. But then when they grow up, yeah. then it's like, wow, I really take some of that and value some of the experiences and lessons that I learned there. And so they're good with their kids coming back to that same uh, environment. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that just struck me as I was hearing you talk about the familiarity of, of your staff and yourself and the community, there's um, and the, the, the listeners of our podcast have heard me talk about a book called The Speed of Trust, but familiarity increases speed. Right. And so you inherited a program, but with coaches or I would say you retook over a program and with coaches that already had familiarity. When I went to the University of Virginia from BYU. I didn't know anyone in Virginia. I didn't know anything about the East Coast or the Mid-Atlantic region, nor did my staff who I'd brought from BYU. It took our, an entire year of nothing but discovery. Um, yeah. And then after that, we became bowl eligible again and got some traction. Um, so I think it, it facilitates the speed. And as you said, that's kind of based on the trust of those that were already in the community that knew you. And and that's it makes a lot of sense. One of the things I wanted to, to touch on quickly and you've coached for a long time and you talked about maybe having the stadium feel empty or how maybe the the town man the energy kind of rides on the the season that you have and I've, I've felt that as well in the towns that i've and the places that i've been and and there's kind of a conditional support based on you playing well and they want you to win but there's a results component as well how have you managed the I don't know, the the pressures and the outcome orientation of just college football, you know, while you're doing your job and developing young kids and, and being with a great staff, how, how, do, how have you managed that personally? Well, you, you know, um, Bronco, it's uh, the expectations high no matter what, right? Yeah. And so um, we've been pretty fortunate that most years going into the season, the expectation's pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so you have to live up to that expectation. Um Case in point, this last year, uh, we started out one and four, right? And uh, and these days with social media, it's so easy for mm-hmm. just to get bashed, you know? And while I don't pay much attention to it, I know our kids are getting it because our kids are into it. So you, you really have to balance, in my opinion, you have to balance that and you can't put your head in the sand. You have to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so you really need to continue to coach trust and confidence, which is, is not just at that point, we do it all year long. So then it's not, it's not something that we're trying to turn on at, at the last second, you know, it's something that we 
compete and we strive to do every day. And so we're one in four, you know, it, people were wondering, you know, what's going on here, you know? And so they get a little uneasy because the expectation's high. And so thankfully, um, because of our strong foundation and the trust level that, and belief that our kids had, you know, we just talked about keeping it right here in this room. You know, we're the ones who know best. Yeah. We lost a heartbreaker to Oregon State on the last play of the game. Mm. You know, SC, our quarterback, went down um, with an ankle. And uh, so um, we had to bounce back. And so then then we went on a nine-game winning streak, and we have the third longest winning winning streak in the country right now. Um, but it's, it's a challenge, there's no doubt. But I think if your program has a strong foundation – Right. And and great kids and senior leadership. And, you know, I don't so much lean on the word leadership anymore um, because I would tell you every kid I would bring in here and ask what kind of leader are they? I could write it on the back of a piece of paper and turn it over and show you what they're going to say. They're yeah. going to say I'm a leader by example. Yeah. Right. And why is that? It's, it's because, in my opinion, I think it's because um, – Everybody thinks the leader's got to be perfect. He's got to he's got to hold people accountable. He's got to make the team speeches. You know, he's he's got to yell at kids or whatever, right? And then only a certain few or a certain group of people are eligible to lead because a lot of people who aren't playing don't feel like they're eligible to lead. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of leaned more on on uh, being a motivator because everyone's eligible to be a motivator, right? And um, and to motivate through uh, good self-talk principles, you know, of bringing people in the right direction and, and finding kids doing right. Like I talked to my coaching staff, you know, when you talk about trust and confidence to build confidence, because inherently as a coach, we're always talking about things they did wrong, right? Hey, you got to do this better. You got to do that better. That wasn't right. Da, 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 all that. And I don't care if it's just touching the line. You know, and they touch the line, find them doing something right and give them praise. Yeah. Right. And so um, so we lean a little bit more on motivation that mm -hmm. can bring it from the even from the young guys can do that. They don't have to be the starting guy who has, you know, 3000 yards passing or, you know, a thousand yards receiving or whatever it may be. It can be all of them. And so we try to bring that along early in our program so that when we do hit adversity, everybody's in the same situation because you're going to hit adversity as this part of the game, right? Yeah. That's how you deal with adversity. That's, that's critical. And so I think that's a daily thing. It starts in, it starts in the off season. It starts, you know, all the way through. And we try to create situations where uh, they're stressful, you know, so that we're, we're kind of training the brain to deal with adversity and anxiety and things like that. So we try to do our best to create those situations and um, you know, and, and we compete in everything we do, even in the off season. Um, we, if we're going to do our mat drills and run through different things, we're competing. We're on teams. We're competing against one another. We're competing against ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that when we get in the season, it's just second nature, yeah. you know? And so um, when we went one and four last year, the people who believed in us were in the room. Right. And that was the big thing, because that's really all that mattered. We had to deal with the outside, of course, 
and they just had to pay attention to what was going on, you know, in our building every single day. And, but you can't turn your back on knowing that they're getting some backlash from people, you know, yeah. you guys suck or this or that or whatever. Right. And, and we knew better when we were one and four, I walked into the meeting room on Sunday and I said, uh, the conference champions are sitting right here in this room, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and guys just kept working and kept believing and trusting. And then we went on a, went on a run. I think there's something really magical about a consistent leader, even in the face of adversity or one in four, when they see the leader, you, stand in front with confidence and belief in them and still seeing and praising the simple successes that they're doing along the way. Um, there's power in that. And, and I think the influence of, of a coach at that point is, is amazing. There, there was a, for those of our listeners haven't, they might not have heard something called the Stockdale paradox. So Admiral James Stockdale was the highest ranking officer uh, in the Vietnam war. He was captured and spent uh, up to seven years at the Hanoi Hilton um, and POW camp. And many of that up to four years by some accounts was in uh, solitary confinement. And they were asking him, you know, and he makes it out. They were asking him who made it and, and, um, and then who didn't make it in terms of those challenges. And sometimes one in four, while I'm not comparing that to his, right, it was just a, a more significant challenge. But he said the optimists struggled most where they'd set a random date that they would be out by Valentine's, certainly about by, I'll be out or by Christmas or by my birthday. But there wasn't anything really substantial or they were changing to be out by then. And but he said who made it were those that acknowledged the brutal facts, but never lost faith in the end of the story. And and so he knew every day for him it was going to be hard. And so to your point, acknowledging the outside influences and social media is pretty tough um, when you're not doing well. Right. But so he was he and his counsel to all of those that were under his care. Let's acknowledge how hard it's going to be, but never lose faith. We are going to make it. And that combination seemed to help them. And and so I think you, you just kind of expressed something similar. Yeah. You know, and. We start out the season, you know, with a motto of champions, champions are, are one or championships are one when purpose plus preparation plus commitment meet opportunity. Right. So each and every week we still talked about the purpose. We still talked about what the preparation needed to be. And then we talked about, OK, what kind of commitment do we need to have? And so the commitment, there is a broad definition of commitment, right? Sacrifice, everything that we're doing, you know, so even though we're one and four, it doesn't mean that we lose our commitment. This commitment has to be there. The purpose each week still needs to be there and the preparation needs to be consistent. You know, it's not like we change. Well, we did change one thing. We just changed, we needed to tackle better. So we just changed some, we changed some drills, right? But we didn't change the mindset really. You know, it wasn't like, we okay now we need to do something different this week or anything like that um it was just what the preparation was going to be we try to stay as consistent as we can you know and then it was kind of a cool thing when we got to that point because then it's like when you're one and four people start looking ahead like what's this season going to look like at the end right they start looking at the big picture so Winston Churchill had a quote that um it's a mistake to look too far ahead that the chain of destiny is accomplished one link at a time. Mm -hmm. So we kind of took that and put it together with each week there was a link and 
we we left the link open and then when we accomplished that we closed the link because we were building a chain right mm -hmm. and so we would close that link and open the next one and mm -hmm. put whatever that may be in there for that week you know and then it was you know bowl eligibility it was mm -hmm. conference championship it was 10 win season it was you know um Mm -hmm. whole game victory whatever it was right and so that was pretty cool because it kept us kind of focused one thing at a time where we didn't look so far ahead mm -hmm. because i think when you're one and four it's pretty easy to say to all these seniors and everybody oh man this is a lost season da 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 then they start thinking about themselves right mm -hmm. now it's about me how am i going to get prepared for the next level and one of the things bronco i was so impressed with our team you know, in this day and age, when you're going to go to a bowl game, there's a lot of people who opt out of bowl games, right? And not one of our kids ever even mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Not one ever even thought, hey, I'm thinking about this, or what do you think, coach, or nothing. It never came up, mm -hmm. right? Because that chain, they knew they need to finish that, that chain and yeah. get that last link. And that was a 10-win season, a bowl victory, you know, those type of things. So, um kind of drawn on those things to try to stay focused, you know, mm -hmm. and not to look too far ahead at the yeah. big picture. Let's just stay, stay one week at a time, take care of the little things, the big things to take care of themselves. And that's how yeah. we kind of approach overcoming that one and four. It, it was a kind of a masterful use of symbolism to keep focus in the present. And I love the idea of the open chain, right? Because that, that really to get that link closed, that really specifies this week and these things. And it kind of crystallizes and keeps people in the present, which is where the success is going to happen anyway. The work needs to happen now rather than in the future to close the link. And so I love the I love the example of the symbolism within that. And and so going back to the, the, the next thought that you just shared. So college football has, has changed quite a bit. Um, um, and I, and one of those changes is the the perception of bowl games and playing or not playing as a player um, and changes are happening right in front of us. And, and I'm sure you're in the middle of it with some of the rule changes. Um, everyone talks about the portal and everyone talks about NIL. And, and I, I'm not so concerned about really talking about those, but have you seen maybe changes within players um, or young people or their attitudes or um, or anything else? I'm just anxious to hear from from all your experience of coaching, if if you think that generationally there's there's changes, or if, if the game and the rules are kind of influencing that, you know, I well, obviously the big one is the portal and NIL, and I don't think there's really anything wrong with the portal or NIL. I think the combination of the two mm -hmm. is problematic, yeah. and um, you know because you you spend a lot of time and resources in in training kids and bringing them through your program. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of the haves and the have nots. We just happen to be part of the have nots. You know, there's a lot of people who have a lot more resources than we have. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they want to take one of our kids, it's going to be pretty difficult for us. And I can't hold it against them, against them uh, for doing it. Um, but it's not just what happens with the X's and O's on the, on the field. It's they become leaders on your team. Right. They're the voices of your team that are now leaving. And that becomes problematic to me, yeah. you know, in that they've listened to the message for two, three years. Right. And now they're the people who are going to take this team that's their team 
and they get offered a bunch of money and they're gone. Right. And so uh, thankfully, we haven't had a lot of that happen. Um, our kids are pretty good about it, but I can't blame them if, if they do that. But so, you know, that is what it is. Um, but as far as just day to day and the mindset of our players, I don't I don't see a lot of difference. You know, I, I really don't. Um, our kids are hardworking kids. They love playing football. They love it. They love hard work. You know, I'm not kidding. You know, they're down in the stadium doing PRPs, player run practices, and we're up by our offices and we just hear them hollering and screaming and just having a great time. You know, <laughs> man, our guys love playing football. Yeah. If it's supposed to end at 1045, they won't come up that ramp till 1115. They want one more series, one more rep. You know, they love it. And so, um, you know, so I think that's pretty consistent with how it's always been, um, you know, so, but the other things, yeah, you know, we have to manage it. Right. And I hope at some point there's some kind of parameters mm -hmm. that come into this thing. I don't know what's going to happen with college football. You know, uh, when yep. you talk about the haves and the have nots, is it going to be, is it going to be this, you know, elite, you know, 60 teams that do this and then there's these other people that do this. I don't know where it's going, yeah. um, but you know, it's, we, we can't afford to play in that realm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, but we get good players and um, we're engaged in NIL in our lane and that's it. Right. I yeah. mean, we, we don't have the resources to do, you know, what other people are doing, but as far as what's changed, you know, some of the rule changes that are coming up, you know, things like that. I'm anxious to see how that's going to, how that's going to affect, um, yeah. you know, what's happening. And uh, so, um, but the game is great. I think the game's great. I think it's in a good place. You know, it's, it's, it's very competitive. I think you got to bring your A game every week to win. There's a lot of parity, uh, at least in our conference and the teams that we play, obviously, you know, we play Pac-12 teams and, you know, we're playing Purdue this year. And so we play a really tough schedule. Um, you know, I think we don't play BYU back when we played you, man. It's no, it's no <laughs> playing BYU and they're tough. So, so I've, I've got to share a story quickly. And, and I don't even know if you remember this, but uh, I was a, a first year head coach. I'm at Brigham Young University in our bowl game. I think it was our first year we play Cal and coach Tedford is the coach at Cal and we're playing in Las Vegas. And, and so at BYU, lots of players on the team are married and many have children. And then some are getting married um, with the bowl game being their honeymoon. And so we, we were talking before the game and I'm just lamenting of um, baby carriages and binkies and bubbies and strollers and, and all that. And, and, yeah, I do remember that. And Coach Tedford is the hotel they're staying at. There's a Victoria's Secret lingerie show, <laughs> show happening in their hotel. And so he was yeah. talking about a different kind of challenge. And, and we were before the game and I, I was just chuckling. And, and Cal yeah. wins. We, we have a chance. We're trying to drive in, in, at, at the end to tie it or something. But Cal wins the game. But I remember the pregame conversation more than I more than I remember the game. Yeah, no, that, it was it was really funny because we stayed at the Hard Rock, right? And we pull up the first day of the game, you know, when we're just getting to the bowl game, 
<laughs> the buses pull up and there's these four limos parked in front of our buses and the doors open up and all these ladies get out in lingerie. I looked at my DFO. I said, we don't stand a chance in hell to win this game. <laughs> so it was just trying to balance that. And then when we were talking, I'm like, man, you wouldn't believe what's going on. You say, I got my own problem. I'm trying to buy strollers and, and baby milk. <laughs> what a different spectrum, yeah. right? But, uh, Which is so much fun in college football, right? Because just the different programs have different challenges, but there's a commonality during the game. Um, one of the things you said that I, I was intrigued by, um, there's there's so much fun that, that's inherent with coaching young people that love to play the game. And – and I'm wondering, like in your selection and assessment and recruiting, you know, what you're doing to, to find or identify, or are you looking specifically for kids that really love to play? And 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 how what what do you see and, and how do you look for that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's that's critical, right? And um, just to find out what their mindset is and do we you know, do they talk ball, do they have you know, we have a whole list of things in there, what we're looking for with recruiting, and we say, you know. The recruits will tell you who they are. You just got to listen, right? Mm. So you can't be blinded by, okay, this guy's a four-star and blah, blah, blah. But we try to do our best to to find out everything about them at their school, from their teacher, from the from the um, the staff around the school, you know, to find out what kind of kids they are. And then through our conversations, you know, if talking ball, do they love it? Do they, um, do they love talking ball, mm-hmm. right? Or do they want to change the subject to something else, you know? And, and so we've been very fortunate, you know, it's not 100% by any means, but you know what ends up happening, I think, Bronco, really is even if they come and they don't, they learn to love it because mm-hmm. that's what most our team's about. You know, yeah. so they gravitate toward all of our guys who have been brought up through it and are in it and understand what the work's about and what it takes to be a champion and those type of things, you know. And then I, I think we do make it fun. You know, the competition piece, I think it, it's not monotonous. You know, I, I think, you know, just getting out in condition, just running and to run and things like that. You know, we do things that are we try to make it to where it keeps their mind on the game. Yeah. You know, like if we're running conditioning, we will do things. Where we're looking over the sideline first to train ourselves to see what the plays are. Right. Whether they're offensive play boards or defensive play boards or what's a personnel going to be. So there has to be thought put into it. So mm-hmm. we try hard not to be monotonous about what we're doing. We try to make it fun for them to where they are playing football every day. Even if it's conditioning, they're yeah. playing football. Right. Yeah. And so because um, they have to think it, they have to think football. They have to be able to perform when they're tired or fatigued. You know, they still have to pay attention to the details of what the calls are. And, uh, you know, so we've been very fortunate to have kids who do love playing football. Uh, maybe not all of them right in the beginning, uh, but they they learn to do it at a young age. Yeah, that's powerful. And I love the application of, of making it relevant because sometimes the offseason or conditioning, right, if it's not relevant, it becomes long. And sometimes kids or any of us could disengage. But when they see the daily relevance of what they're doing and, and know that it will contribute to the outcome and help them and the team, it makes it more fun and, and competition. Wow. Does that just uh, bring life to, to any organization? I think when it's done well, what before the podcast I was mentioning, and this was more personal for me as I paused uh, my career 
And I know this is your second time back at Fresno. And I was just wondering, and I asked you earlier, just kind of the things that maybe you're enjoying more or your perspective now as you've returned. And I think our listeners would really, I think that'd be valuable for them just to hear maybe the things you appreciate even more now, maybe than what you did before as you, as you're back. Yeah. You know, I, um, this job, you go so fast and so hard, right? I mean, it, there's just, ne it's never ending. And so you, you, or at least I never, ever took any time to reflect, mm. any time to reflect about anything because you're just going, 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 right? And so uh, put together with some health issues that, you know, kind of put things in perspective a little bit. Yep. Um, but then the ability just to be around a coaching staff and be around the kids, mm. you know, because we talk football, 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 but. You know, you know how big of a job it is, Bronco, to mentor these kids. You know, between 17 and 24 years old, there's a lot of growth and development going on. And it's not perfect every day. You know, each one of these kids have different challenges, you know. And so to be able to draw on a long career of seeing a lot of things, to be able to help the kids through it, you know, and I think they really appreciate it. So, you know, understanding it's not just about the X's and O's, but you're actually making a difference. Um to kids, you know, in their lives and, and for them to grow and develop, um, I think is, is a, you know, has been very beneficial and rewarding. Um, you know, I think, you know, being at home sitting around, I found that you need, and I didn't do a good job of this. There needs to be a purpose. You know, you need to wake up every day with a purpose. Yes. Um, I thought retirement's going to be okay. I had a health issue. Okay, I'll be fine. I've been doing this a long time, you know, but I couldn't find a purpose, to tell you the mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. You know, you play golf a couple times and and then what, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know you have a lot of purposes. You have your foundation. You do a lot of things that are great. I don't have a foundation. and And I found that I was kind of struggling a little bit of not having a purpose. Yeah. This is my life, right? Yeah. And so to be able to come back to the very same office that I left, you know, and awesome. just resume where I was, because I was going to get in football no matter what. And then Kalen, you know, left to go to Washington, and he was my offensive coordinator here, you know, before I stepped down. And so he he just kept it rolling. It was it's a, such an easy transition because they kept the same practice schedules, the you yeah. know same format, same terminology, everything. So it was a really easy transition to come back to it. Yeah. But um, I enjoy being around these guys and being around this coaching staff. Yeah, I I just take a step back and I appreciate much more the opportunity that I have. Not yes. that I didn't appreciate it before, but I was just in such a fast lane at the time. Yes. I still grind really hard and still watch all the film and do all the stuff and game plan, help game plan and things like that, you know, but I just have a different mindset with it now, you know, and it's, it's really hard. You know, there's been a lot of studies done on people who get burnt out and things yes. and you win a championship and then it's like, okay, you know, where's, it didn't feel rewarding. You know, yeah. what I mean? there's, there's yeah. a lot of that, you know, yeah. of people who, you know, oh, I thought it was going to feel different. Yeah. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to win a lot of championships over time. And for me at the time when we won championships, 
I didn't necessarily get a great feeling of exhilaration. You know, what you think you're supposed to have because you're just back at it the next day doing it again. Yep. Maybe you'll take a day or so, but, you know, but the way I look at it now, I looked at, at it now more through the player's eyes. Yeah. How much I appreciate watching them yep. be rewarded for their hard work. Mm-hmm. So to see their their enthusiasm, their joy, that makes me feel better than anything. So that, you know, and get a we just handed out the bowl rings the other day or the championship rings and to see the look on their face when they got the rings and yeah. you know that they worked so hard and sacrificed so much for and earned it, you know, and they had to earn it, you know, one and four and then being a champion, they earned it. And, uh, you know, which I think was a great uh, lesson to them in adversity that they could take the rest of their lives. So mm-hmm. I think teaching life lessons, uh, to answer your question about what my approach is now coming back, um, is really being appreciative of teaching the kids life lessons and really enjoying their joy. Yeah. You know, and watching them be successful and overcome adversity and things like that and bond together. Mm-hmm. Right. Because not every not every day is perfect. Right. And so uh, the purpose of working hard to be successful for the players yeah. right, is is, I think, one of the biggest things, which it's not that I never really realized that, but I just appreciate it more now, I think. It, what, what you said, and because of, of the space that I'm in, it resonates so well. Uh, I've used a couple of phrases, and I, I mean, you, you couldn't have said it better, but I, I've tried to explain to people with distance has come clarity for me. Just a little more space has allowed it to be so much clearer. And, and the things that I think college football can do, especially as a head football coach, the purpose, the impact, and the importance of that, of that role, as you said, 17 to 24-year-old, young people and it's the platform of football that's allowing us to develop and shape and groom and teach and and be impactful and every single day of the 125 or so that you're on your team someone is uh struggling with something right and it never goes away uh however to see that as you said through the player's eyes is i think um why college football should even exist right um the game is great the competition is great the outcomes and all of that but the development of the young people i'm so clear about that now and that purpose um and how you just said that was really magical and i just there's very few um coaches that have had success had a brief pause come back and been able to even do it maybe even as effectively if not more so and so I think you have a lot to share. And I think that that line of thought is something that our listeners ought to pay a lot of attention to. And I just appreciate your time, Jeff, being on today. And I'll turn it back over to Brian for just to close us out. But uh, I wish you all the best and just so thankful you spent some time with us today. Thank you, Bronco. Good luck to you, too. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and, and Jeff, you know, Bronco was unsaid in there is is you left the bar pretty high for somebody coming back for, from, <laughs> from a coaching pause. You, you, you win double-digit games, you, you win a conference championship. I, I think you, it's only fair that you kind of turn that right over to, to Bronco going into wherever he, he lands next. Yeah. Oh, I, I saw what you did there, Brian. You, you just added pressure even before I'm back in. Like, yeah. see, see, how are, see how you are, Brian? I mean, <laughs> you put it on him right away, but I guarantee you this. He's not going to have any problem – doing that he's done it his whole life and he's not going to have any problem doing it again 
Uh, Jeff, I'm going to talk to you after this if you could find another co-host because Brian just might have that, that might have just sealed the deal. We our relationship might be over. Now. Uh, you know what? I, I I love expectations because when you meet them, it, it the the reward from that and and Jeff, you you know this after after the season you guys just had, especially going on the, on that run after that uh, one and four start. You know, you know the the, the satisfaction you get uh, that there's there's nothing like it. We we appreciate it so much for you, you stopping by, sharing some words of wisdom, and uh, we we will discuss uh, maybe those expectations for Bronco when he comes back on, on another episode. So uh, appreciate it, Jeff. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you again next time here on the Head Coach You podcast. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.